Hey everyone, welcome to the fourth edition of the Untitled Gadget Podcast. My name is Harish and today I'm once again joined by Dhruv and Akshay. We have a lot to talk about, so let's dive straight in. How's it going, guys? Going good? Pretty good. Yeah, it's been a busy week and some interesting stuff that we'll get to over the course of the podcast. But yeah, lots of interesting new stuff coming up and that has launched this week. Okay, cool. So let's get straight into the first topic. And to get things started off, we'll be talking about the Realme 6 series that launched in India earlier this week. Hold on, hold on. Before we get into it, first we have to go with the predictions we made last week, all the prices that you guys predicted for the two phones. Yeah? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, as of now, you guys are on 10 points each from last week and uh, I have to make up this week, okay? Yeah, we really need to put up a scoreboard somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it up, yeah. we'll put it up. And we should so, also indicate what these points actually mean. Yeah, 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 10 points, whoever gets it correct or is yeah. closest to the cheapest uh, option of the phone. So, Realme 6 and 6 Pro launched uh, this week and let's go with the Realme 6 pricing first. Dhruv said it, w- it would launch for uh, 9999 Hari said 8999 and I said 11999 It actually launched for 12999 so you guys are way off. <laughs> and I was the closest, so yeah, I'm going to get 10 points this week. Um, for the 6 Pro, Dhruv said 13999 he said 11,999 and I said 14,999 and it launched for 16,999. Yeah, so, I suspect insider trading here. Actually, you knew <laughs> yeah, all this information. I, I'm sure you talked to the Realme folks just to yeah, get on the points, man. Sure, sure. So I got it right. I mean, I was the closest with 14,999, so I get 10 points again. So I am in the lead this week. Fuck yes. Yeah. You are the one who started the quiz and now you're in the lead. This is There's something <laughs> suspicious here. But to be fair, I got nothing right last week. I don't like real me anymore. Just putting it out there. <laughs> you should not like me. It's not their fault. It is their fault. I thought, hey, they're going to be even more aggressive from last year. But then they rolled out phones that are significantly upgraded, right? You can't even call them successors to the 5 and 5 Pro based yeah. on the specs. But Harish, like, while we're getting into the topic of the phones themselves, but I think you've made an interesting one. Uh, how long can you keep on selling a phone at near loss or at loss to be honest with the uh, with hardware like this without a doubt the phone the hardware is going to get more expensive and isn't it also about setting user expectations that you can't consistently get even better hardware at the same price yeah it absolutely is that and i think this year more than any other time will start brands realizing that and at the end of the day, I mean, even for 17,000, what you're getting here is phenomenal, right? This would just not have been possible even two years ago when you look at the phones that we had back in 2017 and 2018. Yeah, absolutely. So in that context, we are getting much better phones now for just, I mean, even adjusting for inflation and all for about the same cost, right? And that is always a great win. And when you look at the US market, right? We we moan about phones for 20,000 in India, but look at what they have in the US for them, their best budget phone is what? The Moto G7. And that would not even be on any list in India. Right? And the LG yeah. Stylo. Like, I've oh literally been working on a feature for this. And they have a phone which is called fucking LG Stylo. And it's from, like, 
I don't know, twenty-seventeen or something. It's it's just sad. That's yeah, a big market for everyone to tap, man. Xiaomi, Realme. That's the next market they should sell their phones. Trust me, there are a lot of people out there who don't want to pay like thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars for a phone, and they'll be very happy with something that does the job well and doesn't cost too much. Absolutely right, and that's why the Galaxy A fifty series sells so much in those parts, right? Yeah, it's not exactly. like Samsung is selling millions of them in India. Sure, they're selling some, but a majority of their of their sales are coming from markets where there are no good budget phones. And yeah, absolutely agree, Dakshay. They should really start selling these phones there. Oh, you would sell like hotcakes, man. Yeah. Okay. So let's get started with the Realme six and six Pro. Uh, I have been using the Realme 6 Pro and the first thing we are going to talk about is the design because that design at the back is gorgeous. I don't think I've liked the design of a budget phone this much ever. Ever. What do you guys think of the design? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I particularly like the 6 Pro, man. That does phone does not look like a budget phone. It feels premium it looks sexy that you know that when you shine line on it that has the s design i absolutely love it though to be honest i wasn't a big fan of the volume buttons they felt a little cheap and wobbly but everything else is top notch yeah yeah i i loved it i mean kudos to realme right because even from the very beginning they've been on this design focused journey and it has worked for them because all of their products have like a design identity even when you talk about their accessories like that red power bank that yeah. stands out from like every other power bank in the market i think uh, you know if you just experiment with your design a bit and not stay safe you may just come across a phone that will probably be like the realme 6 pro um, you know if you look at a xiaomi phone they all particularly look the same or they play it safe but with realme taking some gamble with the design they've come out with a great phone i think that's important we companies forget that we can't really experiment with the design because people may not like it they're too scared but when you really experiment you can get a design like the realme 6 pro but on the flip side like i think there's a point to be made here that you know as there's a certain level of performance that we're reaching with mid-range hardware and a certain homogeneity uh in fact over the last year even xiaomi has started experimenting more with design it's more like a realization that now there's only that much that we can provide with hardware at a yeah. certain price point so maybe it's time to experiment with design with you know with different colors i mean it's only over the last year and a half that we're really starting to see a differentiation in design Yeah, I think that's that's how you carve an identity for yourself. If you don't have an identity, then people are not going to really invest in that phone, be it money or emotionally. I mean, I love the design on the Six Pro, and if I was on a tight budget, I would buy that because yeah. it actually looks sexy. Yeah, is there anything else about the phones that stood out for you guys? Um, well, the cameras are not bad at at all. Uh, there is over sharpening. the dynamic range especially on the ultra wide is a little limited uh, but that's honestly like par for the course for mid rangers for what it's for what kind of a phone it is like a mid range phone <coughs> where people aren't necessarily going to be editing a lot or you know expecting super natural looking shots it's not bad at all and i think realme's um, night mode is definitely best in class oh yeah speaking of the night mode i was going to mention that my colleague is reviewing the phone and he took it out to kutub minar at night 
and uh, the images on the 6 pro with the night mode look phenomenal i mean it looks better than what the oneplus can do mm. and i was like this is a budget phone it doesn't look like a budget phone because the kind of pictures it was capturing it was way ahead of the league it's just phenomenal but the other feature that i really uh, well i mean i don't like it but they've standardized it in budget phones is the 90 hertz screen on both 6 and 6 pro that and with looking at the pricing i did not expect that mm. Yeah, I love the fact that budget phones now come with the 90Hz refresh rate. That is number one. I mean, that is the single biggest upgrade we've seen on these front, right? Yeah. But to be honest, like, um, I don't really care that much about it. It's nice. But yeah, I can live without it. Uh, On the other hand, what I do like is that the budget phones, because... Uh, this was they're sticking to LCD displays. Mm-hmm. The fingerprint scanner is side mounted yeah, like in a lot of too. these, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, I would like that with the AMOLED screens yeah. as well. I Capacitive is fast, it's mm-hmm. reliable, and it's in a good, convenient location. It's perfect. But coming back to the 90 hertz uh, refresh rate screen, uh, the reason why I like it being on a budget phone is because. Yes, currently none of the competitive games support high frame rates, uh, for example, PUBG or Call of Duty Mobile. But when it eventually comes, people with expensive phones with 90Hz or 120Hz would have a competitive edge over people with budget phones. But now with phones like 6 Pro and 6, now you can actually compete with the guys who have a 50,000, 60,000 rupee phone. So that's where I like it, making the playing field level for everyone, whether you're using a budget phone or an expensive phone. That's the only reason why I was a little shocked that something that costs less than 20,000 has a 90 hertz refresh rate. It is pretty interesting. About the design, one thing that stood out for me was the screen. The 6.6 inch screen was too big because I was using the regular Galaxy S20 before switching to the 6 Pro and making that switch away from what is essentially a small phone for 2020 to one of the largest phones I've used, there was a disconnect there. Did you guys have any issues with using that massive screen on the phone? Honestly, I've just come to terms with it that most of these displays are going to be massive. Uh, It's not entirely convenient, but it is what it is. And, you know, there's, there's no going back. The market demand is for large displays and that's what the manufacturers are catering to. Uh, yeah, that's that's my perspective on it. I've actually never felt uncomfortable because I have very large hands and to me, all these phones kind of feel normal. So I've never really experienced any problems with large screens. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe you face an issue, but for me, it was normal. Damn, we should get you one of those palm whatever phones that teeny tiny ones with the two-inch screen, man. <laughs> oh, then, then, yeah. I mean, then I will probably throw the phone on the wall. I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm not using it. It's like right, the whole so... phone is covered with my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That'll be fun. Okay, so final thoughts on the Realme 6. I kind of like the phone a lot. I think this is what I would recommend to folks that want a phone for under 20k now. Um, are you guys on the same page? Yeah, yeah. my review yeah. just went up today and I think as it stands, it's the best mid-range option right now. Yeah, same, but I agree. But there's, there's new stuff coming up in the coming weeks, so yeah. who knows? Yeah. Ah, nice segue there, Dhruv. Yeah, talking about the new stuff. So Xiaomi is all set to announce the Redmi Note 
the next in the Redmi Note series next week. And they've started teasing details about the phone on social media. Well, in typical Xiaomi fashion, all we've seen is a lot of camera icons and the word and the number four. So um, what do you think that means? Four cameras. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing you can put on the phone, like four things all together. I mean, what else can you put? Like but is it even exciting anymore? Like, yeah, okay, fine. We already know it's going to sell a lot. We already know it's going to be a cheap phone or an affordable phone. But what really matters is the fact that Realme announced their phones a week earlier. And now it has to live up to expectations. Otherwise, it's going to face tough competition. Yeah, that's what's so funny about it, right? Because in the last year, Xiaomi was the one to first preemptively launch their phones and then Realme was like oh look we're launching a similar phone that costs about the same and we were all like haha Realme is just taking Xiaomi designs now it's the other way around Realme is the first to roll out all these features in their portfolio and now Xiaomi is teasing four cameras and I'm like well that's been there for the last two years what's new mm-hmm. well yeah. we don't know what the phone looks like as of right I mean from the leaks it I mean it has a very centered uh, camera module but that's yeah. the only thing we know about it and we should yeah, know more next yeah. week so we'll let's do the predictions for it or we'll leave we'll that, do that we'll do that towards the end of the episode let's, yeah let's let's, l- let's not give Akshay more moment, momentum right now <laughs> <laughs> so what would you like to see from the Redmi Note series having used the Realme 6 and 6 Pro what do you think Xiaomi needs to do for its phones to stand out an option to disable all the ads. I think that's a the... one-click option. Yeah, I think that's the priority. I mean, uh, you want to sell cheap phones and display ads, that doesn't work anymore. I, I would be perfectly fine if you charged a little bit extra and remove the ads altogether. Um, but I think they don't want to do that. They want to sell, be the number one selling smartphone in India. But apart from the ads, I want their cameras to be as good as the Realme now. Um, we already talked uh, just a few minutes ago how, uh, ago how great the camera is on the Realme 6 Pro, especially in night mode. And I want to see that on uh, Xiaomi phones as well. Um, so far, it has been, you know, normal, great, you know. But nothing been, that stood out, right? Nothing that I, that I would be like, oh, get this phone because of the camera. Yeah, it's just, you know, yeah. Yeah, but that has that has been the case in the last eighteen months, right? With Realme. So, what do you guys think about this Xiaomi Realme dynamic? Do you think Realme has the momentum to carry it past Xiaomi this year or next year? I mean, if you look at it, they announced the products, but the products aren't exactly on sale right now. So, it really seems like a marketing exercise to to preempt uh, Xiaomi to the market. But I mean, all that aside, we're basically heading towards very similar phones at a very similar price point with very mild differences in design or maybe not so we don't know we we don't know what the note 9 Pro is going to look like Uh, i think designs what it's going to come down to across the phones because there's only that much you can do with hardware you are bound by the supply chain and i mean i'm i'm this is just a guess but i'm guessing the uh, the Note 9 Pro is going to have like a 720G or something like that, similar to that. Maybe a 90Hz display, we don't know. Mm, I doubt that. 
Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it, Xiaomi would it, do anything other than what Realme has been doing because as you said it's constrained by what Qualcomm is making available in this segment and at this point that's 720G and the 730 and the 730G. Mm-hmm. But you know as uh, Dhruv said that you know hardware remains the same and there is only that much you can uh, differentiate yourself when it comes to design. Although I believe uh, the only way you can have a competitive edge is when you invest in your software and develop features that actually are meaningful for people. For example, the 6 Pro's night mode is, you know, we all we just spoke about it. But specifically, Xiaomi needs to be at par or better. Otherwise, that's where they will lose out. I think being superior on the software level is where people will uh, decide what to get. Yeah, I think that's true. Okay, um, Dhruv, what do you think? What do you think about what Xiaomi needs to do on software? Well, they need to have a more defined approach towards it. What do they want with it? Um, they've got Poco Launcher going on, which is, again, an offshoot of MIUI. And then there's the standard MIUI, but that's also been evolving. But... It's, it's still more of the same. It's still more of the interstitial ads, which people are really not okay with. Uh, at least the audience, which is going to sell your phone further, talk about it. They don't want that stuff. Either have an option or, you know, um, just clean up the interface. And do what OnePlus does. That's what I'm going to say. What, actually, that's that's basically what I was going to talk about earlier, like a few seconds before this. Uh, the OnePlus, I mean, the hardware is, is great, but it's not hardware that we've not seen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And they, we give them a pass on camera quality because, well, yes, they're improving on it. But the core software experience is so good that we're we're okay to willing uh, to to give up on a lot uh, else, and that's really not the case with with most of these mid rangers. Uh, that's what I'm gonna tell Xiaomi. Make your OS as good as Auction OS that it sells itself. That's what happens with OnePlus phones. They sell themselves because of great word of mouth for Auction OS. We're all fans here of that software and. Because of that, it's become a great alternative for even iPhones, especially in India. So MIUI needs to be on the same level without all the junk, without all the ads, and just great, uh, just deliver a great experience that people will ca- can get behind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not I even think just where as... MIUI is right now, uh, getting it to Oxygen OS level is like saying Arsenal should go and win the league. It's just not going to be possible. Um, so I think right now they should probably get it to a point where it's on the same level as Realme. I like what Realme has done with the Realme UI stuff. It cleaned yeah. up a lot of the bloatware, cleaned up a lot of the software elements. It's actually nice. I mean, it feels well optimized. I have zero issues on that front. But if you go by by your Arsenal analogy, that means MIUI will never be good for the next 20 years. <laughs> Let's not say 20 years. Yeah, I don't know. Xiaomi's <laughs> attitude towards MIUI is just a little too stuck Lacked up, in. maybe. Yeah, yeah, they, it is. Yeah, they just don't want to evolve according to market wants. Like, sure, it has all the features, yes. But there are core deficiencies in, the, in how it works. And, you know, people have issues with it. It's not even just the enthusiasts. 
that's but, right and in the past they got away with these because they used to have this excuse where they're like oh our core audience is chinese so this is why most of the way the software works is the way it works because a lot of the folks that use the phone are in china and that's why we have all these features but that's not the case anymore now right they have like over 100 million users in india and they're increasingly going to these western markets and they don't have that excuse and they have a software team based out of india that works a lot on localizing these features so i don't know what is the problem with them just at least refining the global builds exactly and that's where it gets interesting the same xiaomi phones in europe do not have any ads they yeah. do not have any random pop ups uh and honestly for xiaomi's hardware has also been going up in price so if we are at almost price parity with europe why can we not get you know bui without think, the ads i think harish's analogy with arsenal was actually perfect uh just like arsenal uh, xiaomi with miui remains on the top 10 of the table but is not making enough efforts to be on the top 4 if you follow football you know what i mean but what i'm trying to say is that xiaomi is not making that effort to be amongst the top players in the software segment and uh, that's the same problem with arsenal which is uh, i think we all know what's happening with them and in the same cases with miui it just exists but it's not doing anything special or there's lack of effort to become one of the best and that's something oxygen os is doing right now and even one ui for that matter but uh, thank you harish for the analogy i would have never thought of that yeah man arsenal pain is real yeah well me why pain is real yeah all right, right. so <laughs> all right i think we have we hated on me ui long enough Let, let's switch to another phone one of the most interesting phones of 2020 launched earlier this week and i have a lot to say about it uh, oppo finally launched the find x2 pro and it is very different from the first generation model first there's no retractable module anymore uh, they're going with a punch hole cutout and they have a lot of cameras at the back but what stood out for me was that it has a 120 hertz display and that too at a quad hd plus resolution because they're basically offering something that even samsung isn't on its s20 series Yeah it's a beautiful phone. I do miss the the slider module because I like things that move. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean the hardware is fantastic. There's really nothing that you're missing out on. Yeah, it's insane because for the first time I think I I was asking them about this. I was like, "Hey, where did all those crazy modules go?" And they were like, "We were they had an early design that had those, but then they wanted to really focus on the high-end market this time, and they were like, "We wanted to add water resistance to this thing and make sure that there's no feature missing." So that's why they got rid of the design that crazy modules and went with the more sensible design on this one. So but it, running, I mean, it works out, right? But running the screen at quad HD with 120 hertz is going to take a big hit at the battery. Even with the 65 watt, uh, what do they call it? Super Whoop charge. Yeah. It's still going to take a big hit. Regardless, it doesn't matter how optimized your software is. Quad HD with 120 hertz draws a lot of power from the the CPU, GPU, and then eventually the battery. So I don't know. Sure, it's a great feature to have. but realistically i would never use it i would run out of battery like that like really fast 
Yeah, so here's the fun thing about that. It's not running at 120 all the time. Uh, most of the system animations are at 120. Um uh, mm-hmm. but they're doing this intelligent switching in ColorOS where if it detects that you're in an app that doesn't work over 120, it'll automatically switch back to 60. So it's not going to run at 120 all the time. Uh, so it shouldn't be that big a drain on the battery and it's it's like the iPad it's like the iPad Pro. Although Poco has that as well, the Poco X2. which sometimes just interferes with the experience a lot sometimes when you want the phone to run to 120 hertz and and it automatically switches to 60 hertz and we're like what the fuck why is it not running um an everyday user does not know the difference whether the app supports 120 hertz or not and overall the experience gets uh, fucked up to opinion. be honest like i'll i'm sure an everyday user Won't probably won't, won't notice it, it either <coughs> but again they trying to go for a premium market let's say it's switched on by default and they don't even know what refresh rate is and their yeah. battery is going out like that they don't even know how to change it so that's yeah. a big uh, problem so they need to better inform their users maybe when they're setting up or something yeah i don't think they're going to have the same issues as poco with the refresh rate switching on this one poco has an entirely different set of problems uh with how they manage that whole switching in MIUI but from what i've seen of my colleague use it it seems pretty smooth yeah yep so guys like a quick question like basically on what akshay just brought up at what point do we go from being like ios slash windows like uh, slash mac like to a very windows like approach uh for simple things like uh, refresh rate switching the moment you start giving up pop-ups to users to average users that you might need to scale down your resolution you might need to scale down your refresh rate that's way too much information for the average person on the street i agree which is why not many people have pc setups like i do with mass you know that i can support 144 hertz flex but <laughs> but i think it's i'm not saying you should have a pop up every time you switch i'm the maybe when you're setting up or when you are facing massive battery drain issues i think these pop up should be like oh hey there's a lot of uh, battery usage maybe switch down the resolution or the refresh rate but that's in a way I, but you should also give an option ignore or don't remind me because mm-hmm. once a user uses that feature they learn but i do agree with you that it's a very it's quite obtrusive to have pop-ups and that's a problem every manufacturer has to figure out when implementing higher refresh rates yeah but i don't think users. that's actually going to be a problem i think it'll all be done automatically so most users won't even see it but again this is still we're still in the first generation second generation of this high refresh rate screens right so i think over time once uh, the folks that actually make these phones get enough feedback on what users are looking for i think they'll optimize it i don't think we'll get to a point where it's like that clusterfuck that is windows where you have to change 20 million settings just to get the damn screen to work i don't think we'll be at that point yet um, or we will have so, uh, better batteries you never know graphene battery technology is uh developing relief really fast you never know that yeah. we might get that soon so it 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 depends on variable factors i guess so i'm of the opinion that a battery optimized setting mm-hmm. should be should be the the, the default yeah out yeah. of the box yeah 60 and uh, an informed user can just switch it over to whatever they want yeah yeah i think so yeah that makes sense okay 
నంబర్ వన్ థింగ్ ఐ లైక్ అబౌట్ ద ఫైండ్ ఎక్స్ టు ప్రో ఈస్ దాట్ వీగన్ లెదర్ ఆప్షన్ దాట్ థింగ్ లుక్స్ అమేజింగ్ ఐఎమ్ సో ఎక్సైటెడ్ దాట్ బ్రాండ్స్ ఆర్ గెటింగ్ బ్యాక్ టు మేకింగ్ దీస్ ఎగ్జాటిక్ మెటీరియల్స్ అగైన్ బికాస్ ఐఎమ్ బోర్డ్ ఆఫ్ దీస్ గ్లాస్ బ్యాక్ డిజైన్స్ అండ్ దాట్ వీగన్ లెదర్ లుక్స్ సో గుడ్ it has Especially that the color right that amount chosen. of green and yeah and that color it just makes the whole thing stand out right but you know we've seen it before we've seen it on the one plus concept one it's the exact same thing we even yeah. seen it on the asus zenfone long time ago zoom or whatever yeah, it was yeah. but the most recent memory is the one plus <laughs> yeah. concept one it's nothing new we've actually seen it before i liked how it looked on one plus i haven't seen the but it consistently too. looks good and it's yeah. a shame that more manufacturers don't uh, use this it's expensive man leather is i mean even if it's its imitation leather it's still expensive but this is a variant yeah yeah I and agree. on that note we segue on to our favorite topic here oneplus so um <laughs> previous previous years or any indication oneplus is going to take a lot of these features from oppo's flagship into its own phone so there is a possibility that we may actually get to see that leather on a mclaren version of a oneplus phone sometime later this year i would love that yeah that'd be amazing i mean even in we get the review unit and when they take it back i'm buying that yeah that's, that's endorsement yeah yep. so let's talk about what features we can expect in the OnePlus 8 um so this week we saw that it may it will finally have well not finally have wireless charging but it's a rumored feature for now so what do you guys want to see in terms of wireless charging on the OnePlus 8 yeah i think 30 watts they'll figure it out and uh, it'll be at parity with dash charge so like i said last week as well I think we'll see 30 watt wireless charging and uh, maybe 65 watt or or something between 30 and 65 watt wired charging from OnePlus. I think when I said last week if they had 30 watt uh, wireless charging I'm sold and I'm going to say that they have figured it out and it's going to be a feature on the 8 Pro for sure. and uh, of course it's going to be a version of wireless dash charge but uh, when looking at uh, the vivo concept phone and uh, uh, even oppo right mm-hmm. yeah they have yeah so i mean it's going to trickle down so 30 watt wireless charging is going to be a feature at least on the pro model and i'm all down for that yeah i think at this point it's safe to say that it will have the 65 watt wired charging because now we've seen that the realme x50 also has the same tech so it's likely that oneplus will go the same route um but what do you think about what that will lead to because with upgraded cameras and wireless charging and possibly even uh water resistance this thing is going to be just as costly as an s20 so do you think oneplus will have that uh i mean has that presence basically to market a phone that costs 60000 or more only in india that's about it. nowhere else also i think this set the precedent last year there will be an, a more affordable model yeah and then there'll be the full blown flagship that's that's pretty much what they've been heading towards anyway and something in the middle this time yeah i mean there's the 3 sku rumor we'll see how that pans out but going by what we've seen already the OnePlus 8 should still be relatively affordable it probably won't have 65 watt charging mm-hmm. but it'll have all the other essentials 
It'll yeah. at least have 30 watt because the Realme 6 Pro has 30 yeah, watt. Yeah, I mean, it'll have a uh, warp charge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which is also pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we're going to see the Pro model go even more expensive. The 8 might be a little more expensive, but still sub 40k or so. Yeah. I think uh, OnePlus has a huge hurdle for themselves. In India, I know they're going to do well because they have that great uh, loyal brand following. But that's not, India will not pay their bills. Uh, they have to make it big in other regions. And as uh, we were discussing before a few months ago, OnePlus can't move units in the US. I don't know how the situation is in Europe. So in order to become a global player, they have to capitalize on these other regions. Otherwise, it's just going to remain another Indian focus brand that is only big here. So in that context, do you think OnePlus should just launch like a budget phone under 20,000? Just put like whatever hardware on there and just make sure that Oxygen OS is accessible to a wider audience? I don't know if that's enough of a sale for that audience. I don't think they need to capture a market in India because they've already captured well. They need to capture, let's say, US with the same strategy as they captured India, uh, but they are unable to do that because of carrier partnerships or I don't know what the problem is. It's a great phone that doesn't really sell in the US and its only natural competitor is the Galaxy S series and the Note series. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll sell in the US for at least a few generations because they need Verizon and it looks like they'll be on Verizon this year. But they're still not in the social consciousness, right? I mean, we all know and care about OnePlus because we're clued in. But think about the average customer in the US. They would not care about anything that's not a Samsung or an iPhone because that's what their family and friends use. And until that dynamic changes where OnePlus phones are prominently highlighted in Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile carrier stores, that mindset isn't going to change. So they're still several years away from achieving that in the US. But in most other countries, I think at least folks that buy online, they're very aware of just what you get with these devices and they're starting to pick up some momentum there. Yeah, I think here's a thought, you know, uh, the OnePlus, the the standard model, that's that's pretty much the default choice in the thirty to forty thousand rupee segment, and that's that's where it's going to be. I think yeah. they're smart enough to know that they should not, or well, well, they really should not cross the forty thousand price point for that, <laughs> uh, at least for the base variant, uh, but the eight Pro that is probably going to sit just under the S20 series. Yeah. Uh, 55 to 65 is where they'll be at. Maybe even another $100 or like say five to 6,000 rupees, but just under the S20 series, undercutting it just a bit because hardware-wise, they're, they're, they're there. Yeah. You know, achieving parity. They just need to have great cameras this year. Otherwise, it's just going to be another OnePlus phone to me. While the experience is great, but when you come in the Galaxy S series uh, uh, region, you need to have great, or forget great, but at least good camera performance. You might be undercutting them with the hardware and the price, but the S20 can take some incredible pictures and that's something the OnePlus cannot do. So if you're demanding 55,000, 60,000 rupees 
for a phone that can't even take decent images then i have to think twice you know i'll i'll it. take it a step forward from there akshay like i think it's not even about it should have a great camera it should have an exceptional camera at that price point i mean True. you look at all the flagships you put them together the different like they're all really good cameras it's just down yeah. to what you prefer from your image yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the, the thing. Right? The, the difference there. is yeah. infinitesimal. It's more a preference than any deficiency. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you you couldn't have put it better. Yeah. Okay. So OnePlus really needs to up its camera game, and I think they are on the right path, right? Because from last year, they've made huge gains in this area. But it's still not good enough. Well, it's suppose... better than what it used to be. I mean, when you look at what they were a year and a half ago, they've come a long way, man. But would yeah, you still pay seventy thousand for a phone that is really good, but doesn't have a camera experience as good as everything else? Because a camera experience has become an an a critical part of buying a high end phone. It's the most huge used used <laughs> used feature of a phone because the first thing. when i open up a phone the first thing i look at is the camera can it take decent pictures and that's what the almost the the mass audience that's what they care about they don't care about 120 hertz displays and 30 watt uh, fast charging they want good cameras they want something that can take a great selfie or a great picture that they can use it on instagram that's i would say 80 to 90% of the audience for every smartphone brand Great. Now you've derailed all of OnePlus's product planning strategy thingy. <laughs> Now they're like, "Oh, we'll throw all this in the bin. Come, let's focus on the camera." You know, um, b- uh, before before we head on to the next topic, I think there's there's like something that I just must come out to come down to. Sony, what the fuck, Sony? You have the lineage of Alpha. <laughs> you have the entire camera department. and literally the one feature that everybody wants in their phone a great camera that is the only feature you've not been able to nail well this is the sony problem right this is where there's no interconnect between the teams the folks that make the cameras sit in an entirely different building altogether from the folks that are designing the phones and nobody talks to one another and this is the problem with google as well right they make great how software, many years does it take it to figure that out it. I think they don't have desire to make a great phone, which is why they've just given up in India and so many other regions. I think they only sell their phones in select regions. They don't have a desire to be a great smartphone company. I think their uh, only flourishing businesses are the PlayStation and TVs and maybe and movies now and sensors for for cameras. Yeah, sensor. They like they anyway <laughs> getting money. Funny. Yeah, we getting money for our hardware. Forget the software. We're going to be bad at it anyway. Yeah. Oh, It's such a shame. Yeah. I think at this point they're making phones just so that they can actually roll it out to their employees and have them be <laughs> usable devices. That's it. Yeah, and use it use it a way to advertise their brand. That's about it. All right. I think we've talked about enough phones for now. So let's switch gears and talk about something totally different. Uh, we will share our stories on how we got into tech blogging so that if you're listening to this and are one day hoping to join and talk about phones and do this for a living uh, you'll hopefully pick up some pointers along the way so let's start with you akshay how did you get into tech blogging and what drives you 
so i think uh, this goes back to 2006 2007 i was in college and uh, i started off as a video games uh, writer uh, that was a freelancer and i wrote for a few publications in the uk and uh, one thing led to another i came back to india and started writing for india today and that too at uh, like a freelancer but uh, the way i started was i was very lucky at it to be honest uh, i just knew the right people and uh, one fine day someone from times internet the company i work at were like oh you seem to know about tech and we have a job opening why don't you join i'm like okay i'll come and uh, that's how i started but uh, things have changed a lot since then uh, today you can be a youtuber you can be a blogger you can be a podcaster so back then i didn't have these resources um, but that's how i got started uh, interesting story and also i was waiting for that uk flux uk flex uh, i think well, it came I in under we... 20 seconds i was like he's going to mention something about writing for the uk video games industry <laughs> Well, I had to pay my bills, man. And yeah. at that time, I only knew about games uh, that I could write about. I didn't uh, really study hardware as much as I know today. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, cool story. And it's crazy how luck plays a part into it, right? Because I, I'll tell how I got started later on. But it's a similar tangent for me as well. So, but let's hear about Dhruv. Dhruv, how did you make it, man? So... for me it's been a very very long journey which started sometime in 2004 damn maybe a slightly earlier um so i was big on the electronics modification scene uh we were doing hardware modifications for consoles like the PSP and then eventually iPods and stuff uh SBCs working on them a uh, fun fact quite illegal but then i was the first person to develop and uh, and sell the uh, an affordable solution for hacking the PlayStation 3 in India Ooh. got a huge number of uh, those chips manufactured from China brought them board uh, brought down the price from like $30 to like $5 so yeah i that was my background um that's intense <laughs> so over there like at that time i was moderating a forum uh managing blog posts over there and one thing left to let to another phones started getting more powerful that's where my interest grew uh and i started reaching out um while i was maintaining a blog of my own i started reaching out to others people who had more established publications and um, i started writing for them so you know without even some of those blogs actually a lot of those blogs are not around anymore uh but yeah i was writing for guys from south africa from central america from the us from europe one thing led to another you know you build your portfolio mm-hmm. you perfect your craft and now when you go to the big guys you know uh what you have is a track record of being able to produce good clean content and that you know your stuff and that's that's very important no matter what your medium is even if it's youtube uh you can't be doing the same thing as everybody else you need to have your own voice but you also need to have the authority that hey i know my stuff 
uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean having access to review devices mm-hmm. which is something that we often see amongst kids these days that hey i don't have access to review devices so how I do i do content so how could i do content exactly it's not necessarily about that analysts aren't talking about hardware all the time it's uh, it's about market perception it's about where a product fits in the market and it's so much more than just reviewing a device that is probably the easiest part of our job mm-hmm. but also that's something that you learn over time um and yeah so one thing led to another i was with i was writing for a couple of indian publications um joint phone arena was with them for like 8 and a half almost 9 years and now i'm with android authority nice there's some excellent points there man and also i don't know if you've realized that you've implicated yourself so we'll see you in jail soon bro <laughs> <coughs> i think sony doesn't give a damn hey, the playstation it. 5 is coming out yeah. and sony doesn't really care yeah, it yeah. doesn't but i fully agree with you about the whole idea of not getting review devices um i don't know if you guys know this but when mkbhd started out he didn't review shit he was I think he was talking about software back in the day he had some program that he wanted to talk about that he really liked and his first set of videos are all about that and that eventually gave him some momentum and that's how he got started out and that is what we see these days right all these kids on twitter all they care about is getting access and that honestly does not matter as much anymore Mm-mm. true and like before we move on you know um it's really important to have a certain mindset that no brand is essentially obliged to give you a device yeah and that's something that a lot of kids don't seem to understand uh i'm going to sound like a really old guy but you know back in the day you had to establish yourself prove yourself to be within the you know the circle which is going to get a unit at all yeah it's changed a lot from the uh, from the pr perspective as well there are more units to go around uh but you know if you were going to get it 3 weeks later that's just how it is uh and you had to work your way up the ladder to be amongst the first to get hold of those initial 3 or 4 units which is all that pr used to have actually i'm going to tell you a personal story so when i joined men's xp and uh, it's a similar Uh, issue that Dhruv is talking about. I started approaching brands for you know so I could cover them etc. That was my first few months, and uh, people would laugh at me like men's XP technology. What the fuck? I'm pretty sure you guys would have thought of that uh, as well when you first met me. But uh, good work eventually changes the perception of brands, PR, and your readers. That's the most important thing. And if you're trying to get started in this field. you don't need access uh to uh, review units in fact reviews are the least read uh, stories on our websites you need to start writing about topics that people care about and of course reviews if you have if you don't have access to a phone but your friend has one borrow it review it if you uh, have bought a phone yourself you know you can review that or if uh, there's something that people really need help with with how tos and what not you can either do this on youtube or medium on uh, on 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 your personal blog and when you have enough content as drof said when you have a portfolio 
it's easy for you to reach out to people who work at organizations for example drove is at android authority adish is at android central but back in the day for me we didn't have twitter facebook was at its nascent stages today it's so much easier for everyone to have their work uh, viewed by people in key positions at publications yeah. and that's an advantage you need to take off because for us we had to email and follow up and maybe if they read our email they would uh, give us a job but today you can have direct access to people on twitter on facebook so just before we move on exactly what akshay said you know and when you're reaching out it's your perspective which matters not just uh, reiterating on the same spec sheet that a thousand other people have already done yeah which is also true for youtube because you see a lot of kids getting into youtube but all they're doing is just talking about the spec sheet yeah which is just a tiny little part of the of the bigger picture remember people are watching or reading your content based on your views show your personality in your writing or in your video otherwise they can just look up the specification on any website and they'll they don't even need to read yeah, your story you need to stand out yeah i think this is the biggest point that nobody understands anymore um it's your personality that is bringing in the views not the content because everybody has the same phone everybody has the same content so it's not really the, the phone that is driving the views it's more your take on it like what you bring to the table right and i think that gets lost in the translation nowadays because when i go to youtube i see basically sameness everything is the same and everything is packaged the same way with the crazy thumbnails and the whatever length and the i mean i, I there's no differentiation anymore and that is what it takes sure the field is crowded now and there's like a gazillion youtubers and thousands of media outlets but there is still room for a unique voice right yeah absolutely i mean it's not only for youtube even websites they look the same now but whenever i come come across a harish harish story or dhruv story dhruv's features are incredible and i see their stories on flipboard i instantly know it's them I don't even open the link. I know it's their story. It's the way they write their headlines. It's the way they write their intros. They have their own identities. I think I told Dhruv last year that you should be the feature guy at Android Authority because the way he tells the story is incredible. Harish is great with reviews because he makes it simple yet easy to understand for everyone but delivers every information you need. These kind of skills you will develop over time and eventually you'll get there too. Yeah, I think that's what is lost these days because kids see all these YouTubers and bloggers with all these phones and at all these events, hobnobbing and all that, and they're like, "Hey, I want some of that lifestyle." But um, it's not all glam, right? I mean, if anything, it's so much work because look at how many phones get launched, and you're expected to talk about all of them with authority, and it's just not possible when you look at the volume that we get in India. and on time and on time yeah you know uh while we're talking about youtubers like like there's a, i want to give a shout out to uh, sandeep sharma oh, yeah. rev atlas uh, dude's been in the industry for almost as long as me and he's an incredibly hard working guy but you know just to give you a perspective on how much work it takes he's been well he's had some excess 
but he's also been buying and then selling off a lot of the hardware that he reviews. He's not about delivering, you know, day one videos. It's about giving a perspective, giving a narrative. And it's taken him time. I think he's coming in close to an year and a half or almost two years of making videos. And now he's about to cross or has crossed 100,000 subscribers. So it takes time. It takes effort. Uh, It does not happen on day one. So if you're getting into this, just keep at it. You know, don't don't give up in a week. It will take time. It will take time for you to perfect your voice as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't think everyone understands just how much effort it takes to make a video because I remember talking to a few guys about this and they say to get like a 10 minute video, like a review video out, it takes them 10 hours because there's just so much to polish, right? Particularly with video and eh, well, it is what it is. But wait, you guys didn't hear how I got started off. And this is, I think, one of the crazier tales because it is totally random. Um, so I was at IBM after graduating because I was like, hey, IBM servers, I like those. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I knew a guy who knew a guy who worked at a startup. And he's like, hey, man, you want to go to that startup? And I'm like, sure, why not? And from there, there was a guy at that startup who was a blogger. And he was writing about hardware. I didn't care about mobiles back in the day because I was all into PC gaming. And that was an area that I knew really well. And this guy was writing at a hardware site called VR Zone. And he got me introduced into that. And then I was like, hey, this is easy. I've been reviewing, I mean, not reviewing, but I've been in immersing myself in this industry for what feels like a decade so i may as well start writing so that's how i got started off in like 2013 so relatively new entry compared to you guys uh and a year later i was like okay hardware scene at that time the hardware scene was dying down and then i was looking to see if phones were starting to get really interesting right because all these android phones are finally launching in india And I was like, hey, let's see if there's anything going on with Android. And Android Central was hiring. And I said, hello, I like to work there. And they were like, okay. Can't believe it's been six years. Wow. Yeah, man. And if you're wondering that whether you can make a living by being a tech blogger or not, you can. We three do it. And we're not even YouTubers. So you have to consider a lot of factors before getting into it. Yes, in the beginning, it'll be hard. You may not make enough money if you're doing it independently, but eventually you'll get there. Yeah, I think that's that's again a good point. Not everybody is cut out to put in the hard work to do to, to build this out on their own. Sure, it's possible, but it is an incredible amount of work also, not everybody is cut out for YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Give different mediums a try. If you're getting into this, maybe writing is your thing. Maybe writing for a publication is your thing. Um, I'll just, you know, as a personal example, uh, I've been around since a time when YouTube, I could have gotten into YouTube. I have seen if, some of if I, if I wanted to. Yeah. And I've done that for, uh, uh, for my previous publication. Mm-hmm. But to be honest... It's just not my thing, you know, the the amount of effort, I mean, there's a similar amount of effort that goes into writing as well, but I very quickly realized that this is not my medium and you need to be aware of your strengths um, and focus on that instead of trying to 
get into something which you're really not cut out for. Yeah, that's a very valid point because there's easier access nowadays, right? See, you, there are three paths. You can either start your own blog if you feel like that's the easiest option for you, or you can or you can get started at an established publication or if you feel like video is the format for you you can easily start your own youtube channel or tiktok channel or well not tiktok tiktok channel but whatever is tiktok yeah you can be on there but let me remind you that writing is also a lot of hard hard work for example the three of us uh we've all three of us have invested in our own work for example we all three of us have bought our own cameras for the reason that our stories our reviews look visually appealing yeah we're not making videos but if your articles are not visually appealing then no one's going to read it and the three of us have learned from each other how to take great pictures and how to present them and that's a skill that you have to learn on your own no one's going to teach you that i learned it on my own and took tips from these guys and that's what you will have to do as well eventually yeah yeah plus i think like all three of us will agree on this that you're never an expert okay yeah. you yeah. have to constantly upgrade yourself constantly keep reading learning more uh because there is just so much stuff happening not none of us are experts we are yeah. very good uh we know individual i mean say akshay he's the gaming guy like he knows everything he knows way more than me about gaming and there might be something that i might be better at and same goes for harish photography for you sure uh but that's the thing you need to keep on reading keep on learning and keep on growing yeah i can't stress that last point enough you need to read more than you write or if you um are into making videos you need to see more video to make better video that's just the way the world works right if you read and understand how others are doing it that's the only way you'll learn how you can make changes yourself well i think they're pushing time now right yeah that was a very detailed take on how to get into the industry in- but before we go there's a new phone launching and i need your predictions for this one I think Xiaomi is going to be launching the new Note series and uh, just like last week we're going to predict prices for this and see who wins right cool yeah so I think we're just going to stick to the pro version of the phone right now because uh, we haven't heard a thing about the other one so let's go go with the prices for the Redmi Note whatever it's called pro model uh So the Realme 6 Pro is 16 triple nine. So I'm going to go with 15 triple nine for the <laughs> Note right now. <laughs> He's looking at the prices on the screen and just making his prediction. Okay, what about you, Harish? Damn it! I was going to go 15 triple nine. Okay, I think I'll go 17 triple nine because why not? And I'll go 16 triple nine. Fine. Oh wait, no. Uh, I, uh, I made uh, the mistake last week. You I'll go 14 triple nine. You can't change it now. You're seventeen triple nine. God damn. <laughs> well, so what else do we have, Arish, for this week? So let's round it off by talking about something that we all care about: hard drives. Um, we yes. have so many hard drives that we've picked up over the last decade and a half. Um, so it gives us some insights into what works and what doesn't. And I know you've been wanting to talk about something on this front, Dhruv. never buy sandisk 
or Seagate. Yeah, or Seagate. Oh wait, did I say Sunday? Sorry, Seagate. Yeah, don't buy Seagate. Okay. Shit, it's been a long week. See, that's how stressed out I am. Uh, story time. I bought a Seagate SSD for build that I was doing because uh, everything else was out of stock, unfortunately. And see, I've always been wary of Seagate because I've purchased. Uh, I don't, I don't even, I can't even put a number to it. How many hard drives over the last decade? And the two times that I bought a Seagate hard drive, both of them failed. While Western digital hard drives for from like 11 years ago are still running strong. So yeah, I was also a little wary when I bought the Seagate, hard drive, Seagate SSD this time around. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I was proven correct again. Uh, going to install the SATA connector and the entire damn plastic tab for the SATA connector falls off. Brittle fucking plastic. I didn't even know that was possible. That's the first time I've heard of that. Yeah, I same mean, clearly here. it is. But I mean, when it comes to hard drives and my requirements are not as uh, stressful as yours, I it's when it's an SSD, I just stick with Samsung. That's my go-to brand for SSDs. I feel they're the best at it. And for hard drives, I stick to WD as well because Seagate is just... Unreliable. Never, I don't know, man. Yeah. I just never found them to be a, a, a brand I would invest in. I don't know why. I had a similar thing with Seagate. I remember buying an external drive during college and the damn thing didn't even last, I don't know, six months or something. And this was not even like a huge drive. It was like a 2TB drive or something. And after that, I was like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Western Digital all the way. But then Seagate's Ironwolf seemed to be decent drives for the NAS because mm. I have two 14TB Ironwolf Pros sitting in my NAS. So fingers crossed they work out because they've been running my primary NAS for just over three months and they're pretty reliable. So um, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But <laughs> It's 14 terabytes. I've got my finger crossed, fingers crossed <laughs> yeah. for you. If you guys are thinking 14 terabytes is a lot, uh, I want the two of you to tell everyone the total number of storage space you have on your system, whether it's NAS or not, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. For both of you, what's the total combined hard drive storage you have on your PCs? So I'm sitting at over 60 terabytes and uh, I need to invest in a few 16 terabyte hard drives now. Okay, what about you, Harish? Um, I got 106 TB, but that's just for storage on the NAS. I have three NASes now and in all three I have 106 TB cumulative, but I also have external drives, a few SSDs, and what's in my gaming machine. So overall, I think it'd be around 120 TB. Wow. If I'm, I'm going to put together everything from my gaming machine to my portal drives to my portable SSDs. And in total, I think I don't have more than 35 TB. This includes my gaming That's PC. a respectable number yeah, still. That, yeah, that's pretty oh, good. Hold on, hold on. Out of the 35 TB, I think I'm only using maybe 15 that's again a respectable number. Yeah, but those are all games. You guys, what? How much space have you used, and for what? Uh, so I would say I have used about across multiple backups about ten terabytes for my personal photographs, which is actually quite a bit. Ten yeah. terabytes of photographs. <laughs> TV of pictures is, is like my entire lifetime. Yeah. Um and. 
about 30 to f- 30 to 40 terabytes of video content damn and then there's extra storage so i'm actually running out of storage now so i damn. need to buy a few more that was the point i'm making i am not running out of storage <laughs> uh, i'm not running out of storage either i think i have let me see about 20 or 25 tb free now uh well, yeah th- then you have yeah but with 120 tb you better have some free space <laughs> but that's the problem right you buy these drives and it's so easy to fill them up i think i burn like 2 and a half terabytes of storage every month and damn that's like 25 tb right there over a year and i've been building this for what easily a decade now yeah so last year i bought a new nas and i thought like with the basic setup this should last me 2 years but it didn't it didn't right 7 <laughs> months in i'm already looking at hard drive upgrades you know you guys should just give me access to your plex servers and I'll yeah absolutely Yeah, I I never got into Plex. I tried at least with this hard drive to just set up like a Plex media library. It's not my thing. I I like to do custom solutions. I don't I don't know for whatever reason I don't like Plex. Oh well. So I've got multiple things running like to well I like redundancies for everything. That's my thing. <laughs> uh so between Synology solutions for video and audio I've also got a squeeze box server running for music and uh, some more shit going on down there on Docker um and uh, a, a, another DLNS server running locally just to be sure because I like Plex I like the integration with Plex um and just the entire interface but since everything is behind a VPN uh Plex just doesn't play nice with um remote streaming for mm. me which is why i've got those redundant solutions which to be honest i end up using more often than plex i think plex is a little bit aggressive on the transcoding bit isn't it oh no so it supports uh, hardware transcoding no. on or at least the nas that i have hmm. yeah uh, but even then I mean, you're better off using if you're using a nas for transcoding you're better off using its own solution yeah And but ds video is just not that great that is also true one day i'm going to have a setup like you guys and learn everything from you for about this i have zero idea what they're talking about and it's going all over my head but one day i'm going to learn everything about it it's easy to get started with an as all you need to do is pay synology a fuck ton of money and then western <laughs> digital even more money for hard drives that's it man everything is easy if you have the money man or you take it slow and steady put the time and money in your craft no, <laughs> and no. then perfect this is not one one thing i'm not going to put time and money into developing a craft if you don't need it don't get it there's no yeah. i mean it's not i actually do use all of that storage and so does harish so it makes sense for us it will be cheaper for me to pay you guys and use your content on plex than making it myself i mean you can have it for free man <laughs> yeah but there's also that excitement of having your own media library right i mean that's why i got started off streaming solutions nowadays are pretty decent you don't even need to have a collection yeah but that's the thing like there's there's a whole bunch of content which is really not available anywhere and also i mean how many streaming services do you subscribe to everything uh, i i was no. looking at I mean, the services i was subscribed to yesterday and everything mm. I, i i pay for hulu and i don't even use hulu 
yeah like so sure like i'm subscribed to netflix hotstar prime youtube premium tidal apple music spotify i had a few more services i even had a criterion collection subscription at at a point but then again like there was this uh show there was this australian show that i wanted to check out and it's not available on any service what do you do now you do what i do i'm paying a guy in europe and using his plex library to stream content on my tvs and phones and it has everything from netflix amazon prime etc but, but i don't but what what about when you're on your fifth rewatch of the x files yes then is then i'd rather prefer to have it locally than keep on blowing through my fup i just have to play, you know press play and starts playing on my tv fine. so that's fine yeah i can't do that i'm a hoarder man same yeah. i think that's what it comes down to we're hoarders i'm not i like to just watch stuff <laughs> that's what she said that, that came across really dirty <laughs> okay i think i think we have more than enough content for today um we'll end it there unless you guys want to talk about anything else i have to pee okay i think that's our cue all right <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening everyone uh, we'll see you again next week and probably with more phones to talk about and some weird stories about well akshay being a wire <laughs> and flexing and flexing yeah All right, thanks for listening everyone. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's not good afternoon. Wait. Well, it is, but what the hell? Everyone, it's a Ah, okay. Wait. <laughs> okay, I forgot that there's a music intro anyway. Okay, let's okay. start. I'm going to keep it recording. Oh, we have to do the Discord thing as well, right? Where it goes now recording. Jeez. No, 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 that's okay. when we are recording on Discord, but you're not recording on Discord. I thought we had a back. I'm going to give you this entire clip, okay? <laughs>